Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to be in this place with you. And Merry Christmas. Oh, man. Feliz Navidad. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a, this is a special day. Uh, we're going to be able to turn into God's Word and look at uh, the uniqueness of Jesus. And then we're going to be having a, a little bit of time where we're talking through what a new ministry initiative for our church will be in 2018 and make a special introduction of uh, uh, the new member of our pastoral team. And so uh, I look forward to, uh, to that time. And uh, thank you so much for being here with us. I'd like to ask that you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. This has been our anchor text over these weeks leading up to Christmas. And so we're going to be looking at this verse again in John chapter 1, verse 14. If you do not have a Bible with you, we have Bibles provided for you. They're on the, the tables that are on the side walls. And you can get up from your seat and go grab a Bible and then you can have God's Word in front of you. Or you may join along digitally. But we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this passage out loud together, okay? So would you read this with me? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Our focus this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at two passages, and we're going to begin here with this phrase, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. The word glory is the, is our focus, uh, word. It's there twice in this verse. When you hear the word glory, I don't know what comes to your mind. Uh, for KU fans, it's typically Mario Chalmers at the buzzer to win the national championship, right? And there was these expressions of glory. Some of you might think of the film glory, or you may think of uh, that it's just some kind of abstract concept of a very churchy word, glory. What we do know about that word is that human beings were not made for glory. There's something that is broken deep within the human heart that when glory is piled onto a person, it is easily corrupted. We know that this is true because we, we see the string of allegations that have come out from, from powerful, wealthy, celebrity, whatever. When people receive power, it's often followed by corruption. James chapter 3 talks about where, where bitter jealousy and selfish ambition exists. There will be every vile practice. We are not made to receive personal glory. But there is one who is the only one who can possess glory without corruption. And his name is Jesus. He is the unique son of God. God in the flesh. And he is able to, to bear the full glory of God in a way that 
we cannot. We think about the idea, the concept of glory, it begins in the Old Testament. And there, there are, there's an external aspect and an internal aspect of the glory of God. The external aspects are how God physically demonstrated his power, often through fire or cloud and then meteorological effects. Thunder and lightning and wind. We see the demonstration of the acts of God's power and then even his radiance that would shine. And a great example of seeing all of these at play is when God's people were were set free out of slavery in Egypt and he was taking them to the promised land and he he would lead and guide them with a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. And when God gave them instruction that he was to dwell with them in a portable tent... Once they set the tent and the Holy of Holies, then the Spirit of God in the form of a cloud came and rested on the Holy of Holies. Moses went up on Mount Sinai. He was in the presence of God. He asked to see God. I want to see you. And God said, I will let my glory pass by you. And when Moses came down, he looked like a mag light, beaming the radiance of God. And so with glory, there's the external glory, but there's also the internal glory of God. Where the things that we long for in our human heart, we find imperfection. We long for love. We long for things to be right. We long for justice. We long for compassion. And within God, we find all of those characteristics in fullness and complete completeness. And so when Jesus came, the one who, before time began, Jesus existed. He was never created. He is the creator. He possessed all of the glorious aspects of God because he is God. And he chose to limit himself. He only demonstrated the external aspects of his glory when when it was the Father's will to demonstrate that. But in the person and the work of Jesus, the loudest shout of glory is the internal qualities. William Barclay, the writer, called it moral splendor. Jesus shows us what life is supposed to be in his kingdom. And it's what we long for. There was an emperor at the, at the time in the first century, Caesar, He had been entrusted power, he received glory, and he thought himself God on earth. And there was great abuse of power. But when God came to earth, he gave dignity and hope and love and compassion to the most fragile, the most cast aside. And then he provided a way for all of us for salvation and forgiveness out of our human condition. And this is only Jesus. This passage says that uh, he is the only son. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Only Jesus reveals God to us. 
as the only unique son. This, this idea of the only son, you might have a version of the Bible that may say his begotten, the begotten son. But the idea here is that Jesus is one of a kind. There is none like him. And only Jesus reveals God to us. And that is the whole thesis for the gospel of John and all of John's writings is he is making the case that Jesus is the unique king of kings and son of God who shows us who God is and he reveals what God is like to us. When John writes that, he says, we have seen his glory. This is not the idea of a passing glance or, or that I saw a Star Wars movie. This is a, a gaze with a longing to understand and to discover. John is saying, we have gazed at the very face of God. Only Jesus reveals God to us. He's the one that could make him known because he is God himself. And he did it in humility. He did it in strength of character. He had no sin. Yet it was God's will to put him to death and for him to take the place of judgment for our sin, our corruption, our abuses, and the abuses done against us. Jesus was made to suffer for us even though he was the spotless lamb. Do you want to know God? Gaze on Jesus. To know God is to believe the truth about Jesus, that he is the son of God, the heir of all things, and that he died on the cross for you. And he rose again. If that is your faith, then you can know God and be known by God, loved, healed. It's the greatest desire that God has for us as his beloved creation that we would know him and be restored to him. That's why he came to us. And it's why only Jesus reveals God to us. You can know him by faith in the Son, Jesus. Only Jesus reveals God to us. Only Jesus then reveals God through us. This next passage that we're going to look at is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'd like to invite, the, invite you to turn there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. This passage says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
the themes that the Apostle Paul writes here in this verse, they tie back even into John's gospel where he's talking about the Jesus is the word of God. He is the agent of creation. When God said, let there be light, let light shine out of darkness, it was Christ himself who uttered those words. And he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, it's your purpose to reveal him. It's your purpose to demonstrate who he is. He has made his dwelling with us by his Holy Spirit that when we, when we look like his kind of love, his kind of righteousness, his kind of compassion, his kind of justice, people see him. That's how this whole thing works. You are saved out of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light to be his image bearer, to shine his light. Do you need to be reminded of your purpose? The answer is yes. We still have friends and loved ones who are lost in darkness, twisted by corruption in their own heart or done against them. And we have been given the solution to the human soul. And it is only Jesus. It is out of simple obedience, love without strings attached, stepping down out of our pride that others may be lifted up. Those are the things that that engage people. We're told that if, if we could be like Jesus, the world around us, they will see our good deeds and then what? Glorify the Father who's in heaven. Your purpose is to shine the light of Christ, to reveal the glory of God. And he will do this through your simple obedience, your surrender to your king. I love being a part of this church. It feels truly to me like a family. And God has a purpose for us in this region where we live. That purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. And only Jesus will do this work through people who are available to him. We have a unique initiative coming in this new year. Where we will become one church in two locations. We'll have a campus here, of course, at 10th and Urish. But then as we've been sharing with you, in 2018, we'll be launching a church campus called Fellowship Highcrest, which will meet at Avondale East. We currently have ministry that has begun this fall there. We started with a student ministry on Wednesday nights, and it's called The Fortress. The Fortress provides a dinner, time of worship, and activities, games, and then a small group time for junior high through senior high students that live in the high crest area. The fortress has been running all fall and there's a great team engaged in serving there. But on March 18th, that Sunday is launch day when church is going to be held. Worship will take place and God is raising up a team 
to do it. It will take servant-minded, loving people. And God has provided a servant-hearted, loving leader to join our team. And so would you please welcome with me uh, the newest pastor to our fellowship staff, Jonathan Sublett. So this is our third time doing it, but I will tell you that uh, in, in these moments, you're going to be able to hear from Jonathan's own heart about uh, what God is calling us as a church into and how you can be a part of it. All right. Good morning, fellowship. Good morning. Oh, I know it's a little cold out there, me being from Texas, but you can do better than that. Good morning, fellowship. That's a little bit better. My name is Jonathan Sublett, and we are so excited to be on this journey with you. In a few minutes, you'll get to meet my wife, Tricia, and she is the star player of our team. Uh, She is a native of western Kansas and a big K-State fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, over our two years of marriage, I have tried to convert her into being a Cowboys and a Longhorns fan. Um, yeah, I'm from Dallas, and but you know it takes some people longer to acknowledge truth and walk in the light. Yeah, and so uh, I, I'm still praying for her. I ask that you pray with me in agreement with me, and, and we are not giving up on her. There's still hope. There's still hope. Um, but also, you'll get to meet our three precious little ones. We have twin two-year-olds, Silas and Claudette, um, and also a a one-year-old. Tobias, which we affectionately call Chunk Chunk, and you'll see why. Um, we've had these precious little ones uh, since May, and our hope is in a couple of months, we'll get to look them in the eye and say they have a new forever home. Yeah, and so. So in a, just a couple of minutes, a couple of questions I would like to answer. Why Topeka? Why launch a campus? What is the vision? Do you have anything to offer? And should you be a part of what's going on in High Crest? Why Topeka? Now, the answer to this is, why not Topeka? There are lost people there, and the clear command of Christ is for those who follow him is to go and make disciples of all nations. And the clear promise given to Abraham by God is that all those that are part of his family would be a blessing to all of creation. And so, therefore, Topeka is as good a place as any to go and be obedient to the call. But there's more to this. Now, the staff here didn't know this, but when I got on the plane to come to Topeka, I got on the plane to come and tell them I was not coming. It's cold up here. (laughs) But from the time I stepped off the plane, God made it apparent to me that he was here and he was doing something significant. And, and, and so I felt like Balaam in, in interaction after interaction. I was like, when I, am I going to get that everything I've been through to this point in my life, all the training, all the experiences had led me to be here at this time and to be a part of this work. And well, my friends, I got it. And I'm here. And what comforted me even more was that God was already here and he was already flexing in the High Crest community. And so I didn't feel the pressure of having to come in and be a hero because High Crest already has a hero and his name is Jesus Christ. 
So why launch a campus? Well, there's two parts to this. There's a, a biblical portion and there's a historical portion, the biblical portion first. Well, the Bible command is to go and not to say come. And we see that Jesus came to close the gap. He went to where the hurt was. His purpose was not to show us how to get to heaven, but his purpose was to show us how to bring heaven to earth. If we read the end of the book, then we know that's what happened in the end. The new heavens comes and meet the new earth and God dwells with man. So we know that's coming. And we see that Jesus takes a tour guide rather than a travel agent approach to discipleship. See, a travel agent gives you brochures and advice and say, go ahead and have a good time. A tour guide says, come on and let's make this walk together. We bought a house in the high Christ community without ever stepping a foot in it because we believe in the value and the dignity of the people in the high Christ community. And there's a profound difference between saying God can change your neighborhood and God can change our community. Historically, I learned from a Topeka native. Her name is Linda Thompson, or you may know about her maiden name, Linda Brown. She's the little girl that was behind the landmark Supreme Court case, Brown versus Board of Education. And looking back at that, the historians say a couple of mistakes were made. And and they say a couple of mistakes were made because the Supreme Court decision didn't render the results that they intended. In that situation, with all the good they tried to do, the one mistake that was made is they asked the least resource, the least powerful people in that whole situation to make the hardest change. They asked for the children to be bust. They say, looking back, they should have integrated the teachers first. So as we look at this right now, our nation needs to come together. And if there's one place they should be able to look to for leadership, it should be the church. But a segregated church will never lead a nation to reconciliation. And reconciliation cannot and will not occur until relocation happens first. The reason being that the true test of reconciliation is the ability to dwell together. The reason that we can trust in that we have been truly reconciled to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ is that we get to dwell with him. The evidence that true racial reconciliation has happened in the church will be evident when we're able to eat together, celebrate together, pray together, uh, and worship together week in and week out. Topeka has led before fellowship, and it's time we lead again. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, so we should be willing to go and be uncomfortable so that those that do not know Christ don't have to be. What is the vision? The vision for High Crest is the beginning and not the end. We plan on this being a model for how God uses a local congregation with access to more resources. And they go in and dwell with a group of people and do life with a group of people. And because they see the God-given worth and dignity of a group of people, they empower them in non-toxic ways. They empower the people of that community to be agents of reconciliation and restoration in their own community, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, economically, and um, uh, physically. That means that the vision is for more than a church service, but the total um, restoration of a community. Do you have anything to offer? Well, for this ministry vision to take place, we're going to need all types of things and gifts. For this to take place, the first and foremost thing we'll need is consistent prayer. Are you willing to pray with us on a consistent basis? We'll need adequate teams and and staff. We're going to need some people who are willing to locate, relocate. 
For some, that will mean moving. For some, relocation will mean changing the schools that your children attend or the athletic teams that they play on so that you have regular contact with the people in the high-crest community. For some, it will mean changing where you shop or where you work out. For some, it will mean changing where you spend your volunteer hours. And for some, it will mean changing the fellowship campus that your family attends on the weekend. We'll need a lunch team. What this is is a group of people who... who um, Volunteer and commit for a year to be a part of all the various roles that we'll need filled in order for the high crest community to thrive on a week in and week out basis. Then we'll need scaffold builders. These are people that maybe can't commit a year, but said, I want to be there the first couple of months to to help generate um, all kind of um, emotion and, and just cheer and excitement around the campus to help be an extra set of hands to be around and take on tasks that need to be done the first couple of months. We'll need people who are willing to um, be on special projects and, and knock out things and special tasks to take the load off the lunch team and the staff. And over the coming months, we hope to be able to communicate some of those special projects to you. We'll need people who are willing to sacrifice financially and give generously to help finance all that will happen through fellowship by the, the power of the Holy Spirit in Highcrest. In other words, if you are breathing, you have something, something to offer. Should you be a part of what's going on in High Christ? Yes. The answer is yes. The command of Christ is not one of calling, but one of obedience. So whether it is through prayer, finances on the lunch team, as a scaffold builder, completing special projects or on staff, if you're a part of fellowship, then you should be a part of helping to make sure that the High Crest campus is a success. Now, it is true that we're not all shaped the same. And therefore, and we're gifted different, and therefore, how we play a part in it will be different. But my challenge to you is to honestly seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and ask him what it looks like for you and your family to be obedient to the call that he has placed in the heart of fellowship. So that we can go and dwell with the people of the high Christ community and point them to Christ so that they may follow Christ and to help them leave godly legacies. Amen. So at this time, uh, would you please welcome the whole Sublet family? We have Trisha, we have Claudia and Silas, and we have Tobias. And one of the things that we didn't mention is that on uh, January 11th, on the Thursday night, we're going to begin trainings that will go up through March 15th. So if you have interest to, to discovering more and being a part of the High Crest Church launch team, uh, trainings will begin Thursday, January 11th from 6.30 to 8.30 at Avondale East. But uh, Sublets, we are so glad and honored that you guys are here. And uh, I'm glad she found her rooted bookmark. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to lift you to the Lord in prayer. Would you please pray along with me? Father, we give you, we give you the glory because uh, you have brought this family to join us in your work. Lord, I thank you that uh, Tricia and Jonathan have surrendered their lives to you. They have been walking with you for quite some time and serving in ministry. And Lord, you have... You have placed the same calling on them, 
And now they were responding in obedience uh, to come and to dwell in Topeka in the cold uh, to represent you. So, Lord, we ask your blessing on them as they uh, have a, a couple of months ahead of them where they're, they're finalizing things. And we pray, God, that there would be no hindrance to the full and final adoption of these three precious children. And, Lord, we do lift up Claudette, Silas, and Tobias to you. And we pray, Lord, that they would come to know Jesus, that they would give their lives to him and his work. And, Lord, that you would bless this family as they lead alongside of us in our city. Lord, we love you. We thank you for how you have moved. Lord, we ask your blessing in the name of Jesus on this family and on this effort for your glory. Amen.